Welcome to Combos from the Couch by Life Stance Health, where each episode covers the many facets of mental health and well-being. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Couch and the Screen by Life Stance Health, where we explore mental health topics related to pop culture and media. I'm Nicolette Lianza, and I'm joined by my Life Stance colleagues, Angel Kramer. Hello. And Laura McClure. Hello. And on today's episode, we'll be covering the Hulu show, Nine Perfect Strangers. And here's a series recap. Nine Perfect Strangers is a drama series about a group of strangers who attend a 10-day wellness retreat at Trang William House. The retreat is run by Masha, played by Nicole Kidman, a mysterious Russian woman who promises to help her guests heal from their past traumas and live their best lives. However, the guests soon realize that Masha's methods are unconventional and potentially dangerous. As they begin to unravel the secret of Trank William House, the guests must decide whether to trust Masha or to escape. And this is based on the New York Times bestselling novel, Nine Perfect Strangers by Leanne Moriarty. I'm excited, guys. So what did you guys think? Oh, actually, Angel, before we get going, will you please give us a disclaimer? Absolutely. The show we are discussing today depicts many heavy topics that can be triggering or upsetting to viewers and our listeners. While the hosts of this show are mental health professionals, our show is for entertainment and education rather than a source of therapy. If you are a loved one or in need of mental health services, help is available. LifeStance Health is available in 34 states with telehealth options in all of those states. For urgent help, you can call 988 to be connected to your local crisis line. You can also text HOME. H-O-M-E to 741-741 from anywhere in the United States to connect with a crisis counselor. Thank you, Angel. Very important. All right, we're diving in. What did you guys think of this show? I thought the show was great. I enjoyed every second of it, even the parts where that made me go, "Eh, no, a therapist wouldn't do that. And there was, there was quite a few of those, but I, I think this, as we'll talk, it'll, it'll balance a bit too. Laura, what are your thoughts? I love the show. I love this show so much that I was telling Nikki before we started that I think I'm going to read the book. I love to read anyways, but knowing how much I love the show, I'm going to go ahead and just read the book too, even if it's exactly the same or different. I don't care. I'm going to read it. I thought it was wonderful to see Melissa McCarthy in something mm-hmm. Yeah. So very different, yeah. Deeper, but still bring this like deep belly laugh comedy in a very different way. I the show's amazing. I agree, and I've seen Melissa McCarthy in a few other more dramatic roles, and she does a really great job. The fact that she can do both comedy and drama is amazing, and I too really love the show. Really well acted, really raw. I mean, I. As we talked later on, maybe about the ending, that really had me in tears. This is, I thought this was really, really good. We definitely would recommend this. And I think it really brings to the table the conversation about psychedelics. And then as we talk a little bit more, we'll be talking about like that whole role of of using psychedelics in treatment of trauma and stuff. So, which leads us to what were some of the mental health symptoms we saw portrayed? And I'm just going to list a couple of them. So I don't hog the responses. Mm -hmm. But I think 
a couple of the most blaring ones, or maybe obvious ones, Tony and his addiction. Mm-hmm. The addiction being co-occurring and stemming from all of this trauma. And then under that addiction, there exists some PTSD, mm-hmm. maybe some complicated grief, maybe some other things happening. Yeah. And then we see some narcissistic personality traits from the lovely Masha, who I'm sure we will discuss a little bit more in depth here in just a moment. And probably some of my favorite characters, complicated grief in the Marconis. Yeah, the Marconis. Yeah. I three. Yeah, especially Napoleon. Napoleon initially was grating on my nerves a little bit initially, but he's definitely warmed up to him as we went on. Yeah, no, that's a good basic overview there, too. I know we can add a list to this. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Laura? I definitely say some attachment trauma, especially specifically when we're looking at the relationship of the twins, the surviving twin and the twin that was lost to suicide. And the, as, as Angel said, the complicated grief that I would probably call like traumatic grief, but there's also attachment trauma in there. I think when we're looking at, I don't remember Melissa McCarthy's character's name, but Francis. yes, Francis, I think the depression, mm-hmm. I think it's a really just great like view of what major depression kind of looks like, especially when you have it being high functioning mm-hmm. here, we have this like high functioning author and everybody's like, what are you here for? That was, she kept getting asked, what are you here for? Mm-hmm. And I thought that was very interesting. For me, the one that I was most drawn to, like trying to piece together her story was Carmel. Carmel. Yeah. I knew yeah, that because was... I, I think she was the one who was like, and we were all like, she felt a little bit more distorted. Yes. Trying to figure yes. To she felt like there was like some non-organic mental health issues going yeah. on trauma things that aren't and then she felt like she had some very organic like brain chemistry mental health issues Mm -hmm. going on as well so that I think that was neat to show the inner complexity of how there's more what I would might call like environmental trauma yeah health and then you have that more organic kind of genetic mental health and seeing them interweaved and how it can really wreak devastation on people's lives Definitely. It was one of those characters that I was just kept drawing question marks by. I need more information to figure out what is happening here to suss out what is going on. I'm sorry, Nikki, I spoke. No, I was going to say the same thing because even as I was pondering her, I'm like, okay, what is it? When we piece together a little bit that we know about her, it sounds like we know she was, I mean, so spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't watched the show, I'm going to blow it out of the water right now. But we find out that Masha, who is the retreat leader, had an affair with Carmel's husband. And it sounds like Carmel's husband was very emotionally abusive to her, potentially. And that at one point, it sounds, the question is, was Carmel trying to get revenge? We find out that she shot Masha, but then really says she was going to the retreat as participant to study her. There's so much that just seems she's so much more disjointed with what's going on. She attacks Masha again. She attacks another retreat participant. It's it's really, she's really interesting. And I think for just other overall issues I saw throughout, Jessica and Ben, that was the married couple. I think mm-hmm. Ben won the lottery. And it just sounds like he's just looking, he feels like there's no meaning to his life. I think he attributed a lot of meaning to his life with working and won the lottery. And 
sounds like he drives the Lamborghini and just doesn't have a lot of just feeling like meaning in his life. So he felt maybe a little depressed. His wife, Jessica, seems like she had some body image issues. I think they all had some sort of form of definitely PTSD and complex trauma. And even Francis is being a writer and find out that she was a victim of a scam. And anyone who knows Melissa McCarthy and her husband, pretty much in every movie or show, her husband will appear. <laughs> and this as well, her husband did make a, an appearance as the scammer that scammed her out of like $100,000 or something like that. I think just like you guys are both saying, there's so much trauma, seeing depression, there's just so much addiction. Even I would say there's some trauma with Tony and just the flashbacks of his injury and things like that. I feel like we all, like you said, we can go on and on. Nikki, you yeah. brought up as you speak of the couple, the young couple. Yeah. That won the I also wanted to touch on the social media addiction type. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure because we don't have a diagnosis for it yet, but I'm pretty sure when we come out with a DSM-5, there will be some diagnosis related to social media. And, and I think that is a really poignant display of what so many of our young adults our up-and-coming teenage generation now are experiencing that Mm -hmm. people from like older generations don't quite understand I think I agree I would have loved to have seen more about Ben and Jessica they were the characters I wish had been developed a little bit more Mm -hmm. what were your thoughts on Lars he's the only one we've oh yeah that's true So what we know is that he identifies as gay and it sounds like a lot of his flashbacks that we saw was was some bullying because he was gay. Sounds like his motives to be there was to do a bit of an investigative story on that. There's a little bit of a heart because they just gave snippets about him. What were your guys' thoughts on Lars? I really looked at him and I would categorize it as like that religious trauma in a re- in a religious community who does not believe in the organic nature of who you feel you are and mm-hmm. what that does to your sense of identity and confidence and self-worth. But also I thought it was interesting. I think it's interesting, Nikki, that you said that he was there as like undercover. And I really, the way I looked at that as that was just pure avoidance. He wanted to be there, but he was ashamed and embarrassed. And so he used the guise of, I'm not here for treatment. That's, I really looked at that. I looked at that as hardcore avoidance. What a convenient excuse to be there. Fair point. Fair point. When we look at were these symptoms or how symptoms and mental health issues portrayed accurately, I think with this question, it's broad to say because I think mental health issues and symptoms can be very individual to each person. But in my opinion, if we're looking at that, from what we can, the characters I think were very well developed, that it did seem pretty accurately, especially when we're looking at the grief of the Marconi family and how, and this is another spoiler alert, of really how they navigate the loss of their son through suicide, right? And so that's how that family navigated it. But that doesn't mean that how other families might or may not. Mm-hmm. So I think this is accurate for how these characters developed, it seems. What, what were your guys' thoughts on the depiction of their mental health symptoms? I would say, like, with the Marconi, I think maybe they wouldn't all take a wellness retreat and do psychedelics and choose to. But what I <laughs> thought was absolutely probably one of the most 
always there after effects is the sense of if I hadn't hit the snooze. Yeah. Yeah. If I had remembered what that pamphlet said, if I had not been ignoring him, every survivor of suicide yeah. I have ever spoken to yeah. grapples with that sense of what if. Yeah. I also yeah. think on the flip side of that, there was a moment when Tony was doing yoga and Melissa McCarthy's character, Francine, comes up and interrupts him. And he's, I'm just tired. And I thought, here's where we show another really accurate portrayal of suicide. You see her, she knows exactly what he's talking about, but she is scared to say, right. are you talking about suicide? And so she says, what do you mean? Right. In the suicide prevention world, we would call that an invitation. And we would tell you to always be direct and to always ask, are you talking about suicide? It will never make that person think about suicide. It is the best way to do it. And so I thought that was a really great depiction of how everyday humans would approach that when somebody's yeah. giving them that invitation to talk about their suicidal ideation. I was pretty, I thought that was all very accurate, the reactions and even how like other people in a conversation like that would react. I thought the show was pretty accurate as well in the depiction of any of the mental health struggles they were dealing with, how their personality types would have handled them, which sets apart that differentiation. Like, yes, this is how grief can look, but it's not how grief always looks. Yes, this is how attachment issues look for them, but it's not how they always look. Uh, and I thought in that regard, the show did a very good job of making them human enough that we could connect to them and identify it and relate and feel compassion and whatever other emotions might come up. But at the same time, propel the story, mm -hmm. get us to the next point, and maybe even sometimes make us dislike those characters. How do we feel about Mosh? She was the retreat leader. We find out, there's a little big spoiler alert, that all along she is dosing apparently microdosing, maybe in some respects not microdosing, it sounds like, but they're smoothies. She would say, the smoothies are usually for each person and, and they all seem, they look yummy, they all, but it looks like they were being microdosed with psilocybin, which is what we also know as magic mushrooms. We know there's been lots of research that says that this can be helpful. Psilocybin can be helpful with those who are navigating PTSD, but I think the fact that she was uh, giving it to them without them knowing all along. So what, what were your guys' thoughts on Marsha? She was a cult leader in yeah. the baking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go way to describe her. There were so many markers of this heading towards being cult activity. Like at the moment of this show, I don't remember if it said how long Tranquillum had been around, but maybe not quite long enough to have fully developed that cult following for Masha. <laughs> mm hmm but she had those narcissistic qualities. Mm -hmm. She had the charisma. She, yeah. she knew how to get people to follow without questioning down to the way she dressed and presented herself. Yeah. And, and the scary. staff at the facility were already yeah. that inner working of Masha and the staff was already had developed that cult yes. following. 
Oh my gosh, very true. And it's it's funny because I had thought about her. It's like, oh, she could be like a cult leader. I didn't actually put together until you you said the narcissistic traits there. I'm like, oh yes, oh my gosh, for sure. I think she initially came across to try to present herself as like just so altruistic. I want to just help you guys. But really, we find out that there was a deeper whole science experiment going on here. She was really looking to see if she can use the psilocybin for herself to conjure up or maybe even hallucinate her own daughter who she lost through a tragic accident where her daughter was hit by a car. And I'm sure she carries a lot of, obviously, grief and trauma and blame for herself, just like we see in the Marconis, as well as we see through every character there. I think that's the biggest thing is that this was so self-serving for her. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is that at the very end, everyone's yeah, this is screwed up, man. I can't believe she did this. But they all stood up for her at the very end because they're all seem like, but well, it worked. It, 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 we seem to be healed. How do you guys see the healing actually happen? With, well, maybe with the Marconis. How did you guys see the healing actually happening with that family? I think for me, I do want to just preface what I say. Sure. With, I do feel like her dosing. And the way that it was portrayed gives psilocybin, gives ketamine, esketamine, any of those kind of psychedelic microdosing therapeutic techniques, it gives them a bad name, mm. but did enjoy that in the end, they really did show how powerful it can be. If nothing else, even like through that, like I'm hallucinating, but I'm connecting with my son and I get to have the goodbye. Yeah. That suicide yeah. took away from me. I got to have, and and the peace that can bring is incredible. And even mm -hmm. with Melissa McCarthy's character, when her scam artist comes in her dreams, and this was maybe <laughs> the funniest, pee your pants, like five minutes <laughs> episode, like whatever. And he's singing and tap dancing. He's little. And then she blinks him in the right. toilet. And then she's, yeah, felt good. Now I don't have that. And then he stopped coming right. So I think right. you can see how you can work through some of those ruminating stuck points through that. It's almost like an empty chair technique in a way, mm -hmm. but it feels more real. Angel, your thoughts? Yeah. And to, to add on to what Laura was saying, I also think that scene with Francis and the scam artist, I think that also shows us that unlike what's shown in the rest of the series, not all of those catharsis had to be painful. Mm -hmm. Not all of them mm -hmm. had to be re-traumatizing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course, many of them go through re-traumatizing experiences, being stuck in the room with the smoke smell. Oh. But the lack of consent, the experimenting on humans coming to her for help, that, that hit on all the wrong buttons. Mm -hmm. And some of that was really hard to watch knowing that other people are watching the show and don't know that's not what would happen that's right. not what should happen and that's right. not what a licensed mental health professional would or should do in those right. situations and that wouldn't be what they are going to experience if they go to a ketamine clinic yeah and that might not even be what they experience going to a ayahuasca retreat in peru mm -hmm. it's going to be different from that mm -hmm. um, these people running these retreats, I'm going to say typically, because I can't vouch for all of them, typically aren't cult leaders in the making. They, they're bringing <laughs> in people for their own healing journey. And I think the show shows just enough accurately, 
but also just enough inaccurately mm -hmm. to make it both beneficial and dangerous. Yes. I, I would add to that, Angel, and just add on that there were times that, you know, like when they were having like medical emergencies and there were times that they were showing it that where it's supposed to be microdosing and they're full on hallucinating. And mm -hmm. that is not what a therapeutic psychedelic treatment would, you would not be, I'm going to call it high, high. I don't know, not be at that level of disorientation. And I think that expectation and that thought is what keeps a lot of people from trying these yeah. newer treatments. I agree. There's points, especially looking at that very last episode where we're really watching Marconi's uh, see their just his son, Zach. And I'm cringing at because all three of them, mom, dad, and daughter Zoe, see him and he's a hallucination but a lot of what he's saying is almost like validating the blame that they've already been carrying and the shame that they've been carrying but then there it's something seemed to switch and this is where it felt like it was a little bit healing because really with this in real life therapists would be there to gently walk you through all this you want to be just thrown to the wolves with someone not knowing what to do and you're in the fetal position because you're so decompensated because of something that went really wonky so I agree. That's not that is not an accurate depiction, and that's why I was cringing the most. Oh my lord! I can't believe they're just being so re-traumatized like that. But I just want to make note of one thing that was said that I think was a healing point that Zach had said to his family. But it was something to the effect of trying to attach reason to an irrational act. There was no reason. It wasn't any of you. And I, I too feel when someone's in the deep dark depths of their depression or deep dark depths of suicide, suicidal thought. There was not rationality there. There's just pain. There's wanting to not feel that. I think there was a, a step in, in helping them relieve their pain. And to, even with the timer, the dad, with the timer, I think it was alluding to maybe it's just time for you to time's up on warning about suicide. I think I thought that was really good too. So lots of good stuff, but they had to heal on their own. And, and I don't think that's, that's ultimately like how our minds heal on their own. But I think the lack of like really presence to help guide someone through was not there. So, yeah. Any other thoughts on this? I would like to add that maybe we didn't see this. Maybe this is what would have occurred between when the police arrived and when people were giving positive reviews of Masha and just, oh, that none of that happened. In psychedelic assisted therapy, there would be an integration period. Okay. And that would be the part where most of the healing actually happens. The catharsis itself opens the doorway, but it isn't always the healing aspect of this. It is the integration when you are integrating it into your systems afterwards, when you are talking it through with that mental health care provider, meaning making what you just mm -hmm. experienced. Yes. Yeah. And this isn't new mm -hmm. for humans. This isn't new for medicine. This has been around for so long. Ayahuasca has been used for so long. The Native Americans and indigenous people have used peyote, which is a cactus for so long. And part of all of those rituals and medicines and ceremonies is integration. It is the meaning making afterwards yeah. Yeah. that creates the healing, not the Hollywood catharsis. Excellent point. Definitely excellent point there, Angel. I'm glad you clarified that too. 
Laura, did you want to add anything to that or piggyback on that at all? No, I think that was beautifully said, Angel. Thank you. Was there anything else that we missed? Anything else you guys can think of? Of either thoughts about the show, criticisms, anything else you think we might have missed? We covered it. I could talk about the show forever. On the basis of what we were talking about today, I think we have covered my points. Same here. Anything else for you, Angel? No, I think we covered everything that I would have wanted to talk about. Very good. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you guys check out the show in case you haven't. And so, actually, the next show we'll be covering is going to be American Horror Stories Asylum. That's going to be with Mike and McGee. I'd also like to thank the team behind the podcast, Jason Faden, Juliana Wooden, and Chris Kalman, with a special thanks to Jason Faden, who edits our episodes. Take care, everyone. Thank you.